So on today's required podcast episode, we've got Eves Bizimana, who is Managing Director of Workwell Outsourcing. So Eves talks about his career in back office and also around uh, companies being acquired, how to get acquired, how to set yourselves up for sale, also how to deal in the market we're going into, the importance of cash, the importance of you know correct insurance levels, credit insurance. So um Different from our normal front office look at the world, but um, very interesting episode for owners, founders, FDs going into the market we're going into. Enjoy. Welcome to the Required Podcast. Uh, this week, we've got Eves Bizimana, hopefully I've got that right, who is heads up Workwell Outsourcing. And so uh, welcome to the show, Eves. Glad to have you on all those years from first meeting you on a golf course. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Uh, great to be on. I wish my golf had moved on, but uh, yeah, still where you left it, unfortunately. It's a really good bonding experience meeting someone on a golf course because you've you've generally got the four ahead of you who you moan about, the four behind you you moan about, <laughs> and your own game to moan about. So you get to you get to know a man on a golf course. I was quite calm, Andy. I think I was quite calm on that one. But uh, yeah, if I was moaning, that would have been the day to moan because uh, it was a terrible performance. Hopefully, nobody remembers. <laughs> Oh, I remember. So, um, so <laughs> can we leave it there? <laughs> we'll, we'll just, just, leave, just leave it there. Like your golf balls, we'll just leave it there. So, Ease, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and also as well how you got into the role that you you now have. Uh, yeah, thanks, Andy. I'm uh, the MD for Workwell Outsourcing, which uh, has recently just been uh, rebranded. Previous to that, we were Worker Solutions, uh, which is a back office provider of. Uh, uh, well, back office services. Uh, I've been in recruitment now for uh, 21 years, actually. Um, so I started back in recruitment um, with a company called TMP Worldwide, um, working in the back office. Um, and most people ask me, what is the back office? And I'd say, well, that's the kind of the boring structural stuff that makes recruitment companies uh, last, stay, because it doesn't matter how well you sell, if you don't have a a working back office eventually it will bring you problems and those are working capital problems um so yeah i've been in uh, the back office for recruitment businesses since then uh started with tmp worldwide and moved on to hudson um and i think i really i really settled into back office when i moved to uh, a company called baynock and clark which is uh, now part of the adeco group uh, and i was running their their pay and bill um and then moved on to run that for Modis, which is Modis International now, also part of uh, the ADECO group. And uh, uh, yeah, it got exciting because when the financial crisis happened, I then went out to Budapest. Uh, we were looking at offshoring, we looked at India, we looked at Prague, looked at a few places. And uh, yeah, luckily I, I ended up going to Budapest to set up a shared service center. And um, post that, we were we were then acquired by ADECO. So, <laughs> I think everybody gets their fair share of acquisition, but I've seen some. Um, and then we acquired some businesses as part of that process. And uh, I moved back to the UK uh, from Budapest and um, joined James Khan's business uh, later uh, after that called uh, Human Capital Group. And uh, my remit there was to actually create a central platform on which that business could be sold as a, as a group because it was uh, separate businesses like Eden Brown and uh, other really good businesses now, like Resourcing Group, 
And my uh, my remit was to uh, help create that central platform on which the business could be sold. And uh, they achieved that in 2014 uh, and uh, moved on to become Engage, Engage Recruitment Group. And then, uh, yeah, moved uh, moved on again in the world of back office uh, when I left Engage Recruitment Group to kind of do consulting, a bit like yourself, Andy. Um, I couldn't come out of recruitment. It was interesting. And uh, I did consulting uh, consulting services for recruitment businesses, but realized that it was going to be difficult to serve service that many businesses. And so I turned that into a business um, with what then was a worker group. Uh, I knew they got the founders from 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 past they had sold to me and sold really well really good guys and so we partnered after after really having a bit of a parade with people i could partner with to create a back office business i chose worker group because i think they were the right partners in terms of thinking alignment um also the way they approach clients which was really good and we created worker solutions which went on to acquire easy pay and became business uh, that it did and then we were also acquired then by workwell and here we are so, so quite a, a, a tale of growing, acquired, growing, acquired. So one of the things that's always struck me about you is just how commercial you are and, and, and how salesy you are for you know, what you term a back office person. Um, you're very creative around what it is you do and you're always, you know, you, wh why didn't you fancy doing the sales side of things? Do you know, that's a really good question, Andy. I've, I've, I've always wondered because there is a time uh, back in, Back in 2012, I think, or before, no, 2008, I think, when I was starting my SEMA, I was really thinking, should I go into sales? I know recruitment because I pay everybody. I've always known how much everybody in recruitment earns. And it's, it's well known to all of us that uh, the recruiters get better paid than the back office. Uh, but I think I, I did come to that point where I, I, I did enjoy what I'm doing. It did make sense. We, we make a difference, even if it's sometimes a thankless difference. Nobody calls you to say you've paid everybody right. But every, everybody will call and scream when you pay one person wrong. Um, so it's 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 something I enjoyed doing. And uh, I think back when when you're younger, rookie, you get a kick out of people being uh, being thankful. So you're like, oh my god, thanks for sorting that out. And you do get some good recruiters who know how to create relationships with the back office. I think that kept me in it. But certainly moving forward, I recognized, especially after working with uh, uh, with a human capital group. I realized the value in what we do. And I thought, actually, this could become, this could be a really good business because a lot of recruitment businesses struggle with this back office and, and, and it, destroys, it destroys some businesses. I've definitely come across businesses that if we didn't do what we did, if I didn't help them personally, even as a consultant with what I did, they wouldn't be in that place. So um, selling everybody else thinks I sell, uh, but I, I tell you what, Andy, if you love what you do, you appear like you're selling, but actually I'm, I never sell anything. I only talk about how we can solve problems and it looks like I'm selling. But one of my clients, a really big client of ours says, Dave, why don't you join sales? You sell so well. And I'm like, no, but I'm not selling. I'm just talking about what, what we can do to solve your problem. So I think if you talk about something with a passion and with a belief that you can sort out what you can sort out, it looks like you're selling. I think one of the interesting things for me is certainly if you take contractors, so once, once the consultants place them, they're in and running, and then it's the quality of your back office and your middle office and the service. They don't see it as the consultant, they see it as the company. And if that's not on point, then 
you know, their experience, no matter how good the contract is, however easy the placement was, if they're not getting paid on time, if their pay is wrong, suddenly that's a massive problem for them. Absolutely. Um, when we started uh, Worker Solutions, uh, our our target was big business, right? And uh, and and we did intend to go after small business, but we started with 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 bigger businesses because we know that's where the big problems lie. You'd be surprised, Andy. Uh, well, you work with all, all of them, uh, so you would know. Uh, but a, a lot of people would be surprised that these big businesses do have big problems in the back office. And uh, the reason the the reasons they have that is mainly because of platforms that haven't 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 been revisited. So it's been a lot of acquisition, and you're trying to put uh, trying to put businesses together. Or it could be that uh, it's grown up with a technology it had in the past, and everybody fears to make that hard decision of outsourcing or changing platforms because your job is on the line if you make the wrong decision. And when I speak to decision makers, uh, I have to help them feel comfortable that we understand what they're doing. We understand how precious it is. And actually, if you don't fix it now, it will be as much as a problem, if not worse than getting it wrong. So actually, you might as well take the dive now uh, with people who know what they're doing to support you rather than wait and play safe because playing safe, we know in the long run is never safe, right? <laughs> you just need to look at uh, the old businesses like Kodak and everything else in terms of just staying where you are, you do disappear. So it's really important to notice technology is changing, platforms are becoming more uh, more integrated. And you know, if you don't move with the times, you, you, you are offering less value to your contractors, to your clients, and certainly to your in-house team in terms of efficiencies. Yeah, I guess it's a constant challenge around companies and how much they invest in those middle and back office services because it, it's difficult to show that return i guess so you, you know perhaps you can measure it with how quickly you get paid uh, with um you know the amount of cash that you you collect in those 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 type of measures you know you can measure it as customer service with mps etc cetera, etc cetera. but Ultimately, do you, do you find often you're, you're pitching for wallet spend against the front office, against training programs for those guys or salary increases or bonuses? It really depends who you're talking to. If, uh, if I'm lucky and I get to speak to a CFO or an FD, uh, in big business, it's it's not a difficult sale because usually the problem would be we're not collecting cash. Working capital is a problem because we're not collecting cash. We're not collecting cash because we can't bill correctly. Uh, we can't build correctly because usually the system or process doesn't allow that. And so when you start to look, um, it's rarely the people. Um, there are some businesses where it has been the people because you have a gap in knowledge. Uh, but it's 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 usually that the systems do not are not set up to support what the business has become. And uh, and I think. When you're talking about working capital there, we can't collect cash. It's an easy sale. In fact, in most cases, people come to us rather than us find them, right? And therefore, you're not really selling. Uh, you're actually convincing them that you know how to solve their problem. In, in that case, as opposed to a cold sale, we never, we hardly ever do a cold sale with big business. Um, we usually have businesses come to us from a, a referral from somebody else because we've solved the problem. So that's that's good in that in in that way because they see the value. If I was selling, on the other hand, to a sales director, it's a, it's a bit harder because they're like, uh, what are you talking about? 
so that that usually is a, is a, is a harder piece if you're, to, if you're selling to a sales director because the value in it is a, is a lot less unless as i have come across some sales director who are also responsible for for the operational side in the back office in that case then it's not so difficult because they know they have a problem they just don't know how to fix it uh, and in that case then you start talking to them about the problem so I think it's pretty common ground that we're going into some form of global recession, how long, how deep, how much. And, and, and it's the sort of the, the talk of the town this week. We've had big layoffs from Meta, Twitter, uh, Google, et cetera, et cetera. So this is probably the, the start of a, a trend, at least in TA. Agencies probably haven't started to see that just yet. What advice would you give to agencies going into an uncertain market? You'd have been here before. You'd have seen this before a couple of times, probably three or four, actually, with 20 odd years experience. So what what would be your advice to agency owners or FDs who perhaps haven't just been in this situation before? I think cost, obviously, is key, right, in terms of uh, inefficiencies in the business. you know, um, I, I look at big business and small business differently uh, because we support we support both. Uh, we support big business in terms of their back office, uh, in terms of how it should work and how well it works. With smaller businesses, we support them with funding, right? So, um, but the problem is the same, which is, are you spending more than you should on anything, right? And and I think. Uh, when the times are good, you don't really look closely enough. Um, and if you wait too long to look closely enough, it's too late, right? So it's really important to to look at where you spend most of your money early. So, for example, on technology and platforms, um, you know, do you need to have everything you have? Because if you outsource um, to people like us, and this is definitely not a sale, Andy, this is real. This is what I was talking about when you're trying to solve problems. Because if you outsource, you do solve a lot of problems in terms of people, uh, platforms, which are really important because to get the right platforms, it's not just about paying for them. It's about putting them correctly in the business to do the right thing. So actually, if you get rid of all that cost, depending depending on size of inefficiency, you, you can find actually that you know just outsourcing your back office can make a big difference in terms of your cost and efficiency. And you don't then have to worry about, um, because what happens in these situations as well is good people tend to stay where they are. So actually, if you need people, you can't get them. If somebody leaves you because somebody else wants to poach them, then it becomes very difficult to find that talent. And your back office cannot wait. It's every week. It's moving every week. You need to pay contractors. You need to invoice. You need to collect cash, right? So if you have these... um, processes sitting with somebody it's less of a headache and then you can focus especially when you have this downturn you can focus on just keeping your business going as opposed to trying to focus on collecting cash or paying contractors correctly or trying to get your accounts out so that you can see how you're doing because you do have somebody who's doing that all for you so i think definitely looking at cost is a key thing but speaking about the cost that i really know about and the cost that we save people, the back office is one cost that you can really get rid of. So I guess the big barrier to that is people feel like if I'm outsourcing, I lose control. They're my customers. I'm going to have someone else talking to them. How do you get over and navigate that bar? 
it's a it's a difficult one because it's emotional. It's more emotional than it is. Uh, and if I could get you a few FDs that I've spoken to over the years as customers of ours, I think they'd they'd stand here now and say, actually, it's not a problem. Because what I've said to them is, look, um, the comfort blanket from having somebody in your office is I can walk over and say, can you give me that? Can you send me, can you send me a copy of that? But actually, we work on teams now. You don't even need to pick up a phone. So actually, even picking up a phone is too much. Right now, you can just team somebody and say, Andy, can you send me that? Can you give me this? So distance really doesn't matter. Where somebody is located really doesn't matter in terms of actually producing a process. And we work with we work with businesses all over the place where uh, it's almost like we know them. And people I've never actually met. They've only met on teams, right? But the service and the way we work together is actually like we know each other because we have meetings every week. We we do whatever is needed to deliver the service. So I think it's a it's a concept. Uh, and I have one client who, who who actually says paying people is a a core competence. So that was I, I remember that was that was the the discussion. It's a core competence, which therefore it has to be in house. I think that's the fallacy. Really, I think paying people just needs to be done right. Uh, invoicing just needs to be done right. The experience of the customers uh, and the contractors just needs to be a good one. Where it happens really doesn't matter. And you can see that from all the technology today in terms of banking. I think you could have argued that I need to see my banker, right? How often do you see your banker now with your banking app? The likes of Monzo Tide would not exist today if that was to be true, right? I think what you want, what, what the customer, what I've proved to the customer in all cases is that when you pick up that phone or when you do that Teams message or when you send that email, you have a response. That's what's important. I think being based in the office next to you so that we go get the coffee together is less relevant. So a lot of our members will be running businesses now and at some stage in the future, they'll be looking to exit those businesses either via trade sale, MBO, et cetera, et cetera. What advice would you give to people now around putting their business so it was able to sell. You've been in enough data rooms, you've you've acquired, you've been acquired. What are the top tips you'd give for people to make their business as saleable as possible? I think the the trajectory of the business is important. Um, And, you know, the diversity of the business in terms. So for example, if if we just look at recruitment businesses, if, if you're only doing perm, um, would you be as attractive as if you're doing permanent contract, right? Um, if you're a healthcare business only doing doctors, would you be more attractive if you're doing nursing as well? Or if you're doing NHS and you're doing private as well? Um, so I think the trajectory and quality of the business matters. And as well as actually um, the structural setup of the business really matters. So I know. Uh, businesses that are clients of ours, where what we provide them does make a difference to how attractive they look because it's all well managed. If you have an audit, which is always part of the, the, the due diligence, as you know, Andy, everything stacks up. We can bring all the invoices, we, you know, IR35 questions and risk within the supply chain. All those things have been addressed because we support you in making sure that you address those liability with HMRC and things like that, all that. Um, so I think 
I'd say definitely be on the right trajectory. Don't don't be in a hurry to sell um, unless you're on the right trajectory because you get more for your money if if your trajectory is right. Your business is promising. Your, your numbers stack up. And I think um, if your structure and risk, the, the business being the risk uh, is important because that risk is going to play on your multiple, right? So definitely working with people who can help you de-risk the business is key. And then the quality, the quality of your team, right? So make sure the team, the team stacks up because in recruitment, what are you buying? You're buying people, right? So I think you have to have a good team. So I think if you look at those things, I'm certainly not standing here to be an expert, but I, when I look at the value in terms of some of the business we've dealt with that have actually gone to sale, those seem to be some of the things that help them get good value. I, I definitely agree with you there. When you go in and you're looking at businesses and you're, you're doing that due diligence process, actually just how easy it is to get to the basics is really, really important. And if it's difficult to get to the basics and you don't have that level of confidence that this is really well run, you start to worry about, you know, if you can't That's do right. this, what else? You know, and, and actually it gives you that confidence when you go in and if it's slick and it's just, yep, yeah, we've got this bang, 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 makes a huge, huge difference. And ultimately, um, someone once told me, he said, there's always a reason why someone would sell a business, but what's the reason you'd buy a business? So I always say to owners, have your business ready to go. Uh, imagine saying someone came in and offered you uh, a chunk of money tomorrow. Would you be able to sell? Would you be ready? Would you be match fit to sell it? Because sometimes you, you know, I've, I've seen that where people haven't been ready. They've had a good, and it's gone away because you know, yeah. they, they couldn't demonstrate the basics of how they how they run their business. And you know, go back a couple of years later, got it knocked into shape, and and it would go, but not for as much as it could have done then. They sort of missed their moment in time. So I guess there's there's some pretty straight answers for how to get your business into shape for that. For yeah, that. And, I, I, and I think, Andy, that, that being ready absolutely matters. And, and that de-risking of the business, I think, comes in there. So, you know, simple things like just the supply chain, right, in recruitment. You know, if, if, if let's say, for example, IR35 is an issue for your business and you haven't been treating it right, you know, that could affect your price significantly. If... Uh, you know, a lot of recruitment businesses, you'd be surprised, don't do their accounts every month. So they don't know what's actually under the bonnet. And I know that's surprising, but it is a reality, right? Um, if they're big business, they do. If they're smaller businesses, they don't. But believe it or not, they're even bigger businesses who are behind a number of months. And, and you'd be surprised. So I'd say, yeah, before you definitely come to that, the risk de-risk the business by making sure you totally understand where potential liabilities lie and get some help with that because that does have a significant hit to your price. Noted. So now Worker Group are part of Workwell and I think they're going around buying up everybody. So um, yourselves, um, international companies, um, various different organizations what was the experience of going through that because you've you've built your thing at worker group and then suddenly these guys come in and say right we're buying you how's that transition been for you it's been great honestly it was a it was a great experience i've been uh i've been through a number of uh, of acquisitions and i think the difference with uh being in a, through an acquisition as an employee you kind of feel 
job 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 security i suppose if you're a person who worries about job security i've never i've never worried about that honestly andy and i always try to train even my employees to say never worry about job security just worry about your skill okay worry about your skill and what the value you bring and don't worry about job security so but i think with the with employee version you're like i'll get another job if i don't like it right <laughs> with with uh when you put you know, when you're part of the equity holders, you're thinking, oh God, okay, what kind of partners are these going to be, right? And uh, I think looking at this, the, the, the guys at work will agree. Um, we 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 kind of checked whether we were aligned before we did the deal. And that was really important. And uh, I think we were so aligned, it was untrue. Uh, you know, when you're always thinking this is too good to be true and you just kind of, <laughs> you're just kind of waiting, let's see the, let's see the true colors. None of that. I think they're, they're they're real gents. They are they 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 do what they say they will do, and uh, the transition was was seamless. And the transition was absolutely seamless. They facilitate support. Get out of the way. Um, that's that's what they do. They facilitate support. Get out of the way. Let us get on with it. And um, I think that's quite impressive in terms of um, supporting us to get where we want. Uh, facilitating us to grow in the way that we want and uh, getting out of the way of decision-making that just delays things. So there's no bureaucracy. We don't have any of that. We, if we need to, if we need to get things done and they're good for the business, we get them done. So, you know, work well has been a really, really good thing to happen to us. Worker was great. Uh, uh, but I think work well is going to take us to the next level. So most people will know Workwell as being the former JSA umbrella business, and they'll know them from the umbrella side, from the, uh, I guess, from the, the the PSC accountancy side. So you're part of the business Workwell Outsourcing. What is, what is exactly is it you do? Yeah, explaining what exactly what we do sometimes is, is, is difficult, but I'd say if you think of a recruitment business, um, it provides people, right? That's what it does. But a recruitment business, Needs to pay these needs to pay these people as providing, otherwise called contractors, temps, interims, whatever you want to call them, and it needs to invoice their clients. So that's the that's the core. That's the core. And then on top of that, it needs to collect that money, um, because if it doesn't collect that money, it's going to have trouble. And then it needs to pay its people, its own staff, and it needs to do its accounts. What we do is provide those services, and we provide them in one of two ways. We can provide those services to especially bigger businesses in a way that you can choose what you want, or we can provide those, those services as a packaged, fully, uh, fully functional back office, including funding to smaller businesses. Because um, just if I took you back in the history of work at worker solutions when we formed it we were dealing with bigger business we tried to sell to the small founding businesses and we quickly understood that it was difficult for them to pay a fixed price fixed prices are good for big business fixed price are really bad for you when you've just started because if i'm telling you, you have to pay 500 pounds a month say for example and you've only made one invoice or 300 you're like well that doesn't work Eve. so we realized percentage percentage charging is actually the way that's why they all go to these kind of businesses. And so we looked around and lucky for us, we came across EasyPay and we acquired a business called EasyPay, which provides 100% recruitment funding to smaller businesses, has been around for 
at least 20 years actually. Um, so that was, a, that was a good acquisition for us because that meant not only can we look after a bigger business, but we can also look after the smaller, the smaller businesses. So in that, in that respect, when, when we do, when we do uh, approach a small business, we're going to provide the full funding with the full back office right so they don't need an invoice discounting facility they don't need factoring they don't need to go to the bank they can just come to us and we'll provide the whole service if you're a bigger business on the other hand you might need consultancy on how to get in time in so for example we're we are uh, resellers of in time so in that case we'll go to big business that have, have taken in time but can't actually get it to work and we've had clients like that and we will work with them to make it work and we will project manage the whole process, maybe work with Bullhorn, maybe work with Jobada to actually make this whole process work. And that's what we'll do for the big business. And then they might even outsource the back office to us, or they might not. We might just do, be, be doing a consultancy gig, or we might be doing a full back office. But with the small businesses, they'll just come to us and say, right, I want to recruit. I'm starting. I've got my three men, or I've got just myself. And then we'll sign them up. And we'll take them through. And, you know, Andy, we've had some really, really good businesses. One man starting. And before you know it, they're doing turnover of 4 million, 5 million. Right. So it's inter it's really interesting. And, and the needs are so different. Uh, the required group, we've got three different groups, effectively, the dinghy, the bridge and and the bounty. And, and all of them just want different things. So the, the dinghy is the 0 to 5. The, the bridge is ostensibly 5 to 50. And what they need is completely different. But what you're, you know, what you're saying is, if you're starting your business, don't worry about the back office. We've got that. Don't worry about funding. We've got that. You just, you know, go and build basically, which is what I guess recruiters starting a business just need to do. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And you know, it's 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 a difficult gig when you're starting, Andy, because actually a lot of times you don't know what you need. Yeah. A lot of times you don't know what you need. And um, when you when you find out what you need, it's a bit painful. <laughs> and uh, it, it's confusing because then you go through the contract to so like, what, what is this? So, uh, and that's why, again, in terms of what we provide, it's really important because if we start you off as a, as a, as a business that has 100% recruitment finance, what we're basically saying is we are paying your contractors for you, don't worry about it. We're paying your margin up front, don't worry about it. If you're doing perms, we will fund them as well, don't worry about it. But we'll charge you a percentage of X, right, on your gross turnover, okay? Every week, as, as you put that through, we're charging, right? Now, assume you've grown to, say, 7 million turnover. That starts to become expensive. And you go, oh, wait a second, this is, this is looking pretty expensive, especially with what we know is happening in the market with the interest rates. Interest rates now are 3%. We've all, we all got used to having 0% money, right? Now it's not the same thing. It's pretty expensive. Yeah. And when your turnover is high, you start to think, wait a second, I'm paying a lot. Now, the great thing with being with work while outsourcing is we go, well, if you want to come out of this model, we can send, set you up with a an invoice discounting facility because we work with various partners and you come out of this percentage model to go into a fixed model where you actually have a fixed cost per month that you know right this is what i'm paying i've got my own invoice discounting facility and you still don't have to worry about it because we'll manage all that for you but the setup is different your 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 back office cost is not growing at the same percentage rate as your business 
which is okay when you're small, but when you when you grow up and you're you know five million turnover and above, it does start to become expensive, and you need to look at it. We actually saw a whole host of companies start up during uh, during the COVID downturn. So people who are either furloughed or laid off went and started their own businesses. And I fully expect to see that again. The big difference was there was a lot of government support around at the time, which I don't think is going to be um, available this time, which will make it a big difference. And also, I think everyone was of a view that it'll probably be over shortly and it will come back, whereas no one knows how long this may take. So, but I am fully expecting to see lots of people you know, using this as an opportunity to start their own agencies. Is, is that what you guys are sort of seeing through your data at the moment? Well, we actually did see it when the bounce back loans uh, were on offer. We saw a lot of businesses start up, uh, maybe some for the wrong reasons, uh, maybe some leaving a, a bounce back loan that they're taking to start a new. So there's always, you know, in recruitment, there's always, there's always funnies, right? Um, but I think what we do know is happening now. Um, so insurance is one of the hardest things for us in terms of barriers to business. Yeah, and when I say barriers to business, it barriers for our clients. Um, trying to get limits that can facilitate, especially especially sudden sectors, construction being one of them. Um, it, it can be very limiting. And the reason for that is because when we speak to the underwriters is because of the higher level of insolvencies happening now right you know the, the, the businesses were supported through the COVID period and obviously they should be but I think when you get that level of support you forget what the reality is right and I think what the one thing I'll tell you about recruiters and is they spend recruiters spend a lot right that's why I talked about looking at cost because I think that's the that's the weakest area of recruiters they do spend a lot so um, I think what's what's coming back to bite is the the cost of money is definitely coming back to bite. The cost of insurance. If you are lucky enough to be in a white collar market where you're dealing with good clients, you might turn a blind eye to insurance. But when you're in sudden markets, you can't. You absolutely must have that insurance. Um, and if you're going through our funding, uh, recruitment finance funding. Uh, product, we will have to definitely get insurance for you. And so the cost of insurance is a is a limiting thing. So for me, I think the the worry right now is is around is around that, is around the cost of insurance, the insolvencies, and whether actually um how the market is going to to work out because funding is 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 quite expensive. The the getting this money is getting more expensive. I know we know it from mortgages obviously as on a personal note, yeah. people see from mortgages. But certainly if you're running a business, I think what uh, recruiters don't understand is the cost of that funding is now starting to go up and you really need to make sure you've got a good deal. You need to understand. And also I think the other thing is you need to understand what a good deal is. You might go to a provider who gives you a really low rate, but actually there are lots of hidden charges that you're not aware about, right? So for example, if your debt goes over 90 days, for example, you get a refactoring charge. So there are providers who do that. And as a, as, as a recruiter, you don't know that. So really looking around and understanding what it is you're paying for is so, so important.
And, and if people are currently on a product, they've got that, they can just come to you and you'll do a like-to-like -like for them and then they can make that decision. Absolutely, Andy. And I think uh, I've had many, many, many recruiters I speak to, Andy, where I tell them, don't worry about doing business with us. I mean, just just us, just having a chat, if I can make the time, having a chat and telling you what you should do uh, and or what you should look at, not what you should do, but certainly what yeah. you should look at is enough sometimes for me to say, you know, if, if, if you feel we're good for you, come back. And certainly my team does that very well as well in terms of saying this is what you need to look at. If you've got three providers, look at look at what they're offering. It might be a bank. It might be another provider of a back office or it might be something in-house that you're looking at. Compare it and see because uh, it's it's a it's a package you want to be looking at. Don't just look at the cost of funding. Look at the cost of your back office put together. So the funding, the cost of your pay and bill collections. And accounts how does it all stack up to get you the best value absolutely well look i think we have got exciting times or interesting times the great thing i always find about recruitment is it's never boring it's never dull it's never stale yeah. it's either boom or bust champagne and razor blades as someone wants to <laughs> um, more of the champagne please more, uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully more more champagne so um perhaps we'll catch up uh, early next year and just find out um you know Take, get a hot take on where the where the market is but if people do want to have that chat and they do want to compare you or they're thinking about starting up their own business and what you can potentially offer how can they get hold of you Eves? I'm on LinkedIn uh, uh, if you look at me LinkedIn I'm on there and I've got a team as well that are always happy to help somebody like Sheila uh, Sheila's on our team as well you'll see her on our work well outsourcing website uh, we've got Dan Benson as well so really good people to kind of support but certainly if you find me on LinkedIn uh, and reach out to me, happy to help you out, Dire uh, even direct you to, it might be CRMs you're looking at, it might be back office systems you're looking at. I speak to a lot of people in that respect, Andy. And uh, again, it's not selling. It's really saying, uh, it, it, if you can, if I can help you make the right decision, it's a kick for me in some way. I can't explain it, but it's it's good, even if we don't get the business. Somehow, some way it always comes around anyway. I get that. And we'll put the notes um, alongside the podcast. And um, well, great to catch up with you again. Who knew that being paired together on a golf day, we'd uh, we'd be, now be doing this um, across the continent. So um, well, thanks so much. Nick, Eve, next time we pair up, Andy, uh, uh, I'm now better being on the range. I've, I've practiced. <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear. All right. Catch up. Soon. Cheers, Cheers, Andy. Thank you very much. Take care.